to the book of Isaiah, and uh, we're going to take a look at that um, this morning, one passage of scripture, and then jump around to some others, and uh, we're not going to even read this right at the very moment here, but, um, you know, obviously today is, is Mother's Day. It's the second Sunday. I was thinking, for me, I was just thinking it was next week. It was the first when it falls on a Sunday. I hardly put that into perspective, but so it seems like it's so early uh, this year. But it is the second Sunday of the of the month, and uh, we have a, a tremendous opportunity, like I said, to uh, celebrate uh, the women uh, in our life that uh, give birth not only to us but to moms everywhere. I know that um, you know we come to church to to honor the Lord, you know, as Larry was, was praying in, in worship that, you know, we're here to glorify him. And, uh, and Jesus put this into perspective because we can become, uh, so, like I said, uh, there's a great book written, it's called uh, the accidental Pharisee. And, and the book just talks about how there, there's a little Pharisee that exists in all of our hearts and we can become so, or seeming so spiritual about things. And Mother's Day can become that. And through the years, you know, people would say, well, you know, we shouldn't set aside, you know, a special day, you know, for moms or dads, you know, at that. And it should just be Jesus only. And it really, in the truest sense, is even when we celebrate moms, when we do it in the proper perspective, obviously, women were created in the very image of God. Amen. Uh, we're not here today to worship, you know, our moms, but we are here definitely to celebrate uh, the life of moms, especially godly mothers. And whether your mom was godly or not, the fact is you're still here. You're here today, you know, and that's a good thing. Someone gave you life. And, and Jesus, I said, put it, you know, best when he said, you know, that all men will know you're my disciples because you have love one for another. And he said, you know, the greatest amongst you is the servant. And, and I always think about this at, at Mother's Day because, you know, obviously the, the biggest day in the life of the church, what day would you think it is? The, out of all the, the celebrations of the church, what would be the biggest celebration for the church? Easter. Easter? Yeah. Well, it's actually Christmas. And it's the reason it's Christmas is because Christmas, we get something. Okay. And so people are into getting things. That's why Christmas actually, you know, trumps uh, Easter in that regard. But then Easter follows closely behind it. But in the truest sense, Easter should be the biggest celebration, right? Because it's the celebration of what Christianity is all about, that Jesus Christ is who he claimed to be. And that when he died on that cross and he rose again three days later, just as he declared, we can know that our sins are forgiven and that we have eternal life. Well, the next biggest day in the history of the church has always been Mother's Day. And you think about, you know, why would that be so of all the days, you know, I mean, they have National Donut Day, they've got, you know, I mean, all kinds of things that, you know, you could celebrate, but to celebrate Mother's Day. And, and I think it's pretty safe to say for the most part, and when you look in general, it's the impact that moms have made in this world and how they do in the life of, of, of the church have a great reflection of who Jesus is and who God is. And so it, again, it's one of those, those messages that's easy. Like I said, for me personally, you know, to, to share, um, you know, I share this almost every year. I was going back through my notes and, and, uh, you know, I, I had, you know, a mom, like I said, who is the source of just many wonderful mother's day messages that, uh, when I being raised by my mom made it so easy when I began to read the Bible to connect with the very word of God. I could see the love of God, you know, even though we see God is, is portrayed in scripture as, as who he is. He says that he's our father who art in heaven. Uh, there's more masculine pronouns, obviously, that describe God. 
Um, but there are some, some feminine program, pronouns that God uses to describe his characteristics, not who he is. God doesn't have a physical body in that regard. But um, he makes it very clear um, that it's masculine in Scripture. Even passages that some people will teach as being feminine when you look at the original language, it's actually in, in the masculine tense. And so uh, yet I look at this and, and, and as I think back over my life and, and the way that my mom I mean, I, I remember one year I did a message called, you know, uh, everybody should have somebody that loves them, you know, uh, irrationally. You know, my mom had an irrational kind of love. I mean, I remember reading a story about a guy who, I mean, it's, it's kind of terrible in one sense. He was in prison for committing multiple murders, right? And they did like this, you know, uh, dateline television, uh, you know, uh, show and they're interviewing the mom and the son and they're talking to him and they're talking to the mom and he confesses to all these terrible things and they go to the mom and she goes, but he's a good boy. And you know, everybody else is like looking, you go, what? He just said, and she's, he's got a good heart. And you're going, there's nothing good about him. And you go, what? and you go, but it's, we call that what? A mother's love. I mean, have you ever heard the expression, you know, he had a face that only a mother could love? You know, you just go, there's just certain things. Everybody else is going, you go, but your mom, she just has this ability to have this irrational kind of love. And, and in many ways, we would say that about God, wouldn't we? That his love is irrational. It's beyond comprehension in the truest sense, you know, to think that God loves us. We, we know everything that we know about ourselves and God knows so much more, but yet... He loves us. Then I look in my life. It's not just my mom. I have two older sisters who just were very, very loving and very supportive. Um, you know, I, I think of, you know, obviously my wife, um, you know, the mother of our three kids. Um, and I, I look at, even just yesterday, you know, I was just watching her, you know, this is Mother's Day. And, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, not that she hasn't done a good job. I'm thinking I haven't done a very good job raising our kids. I go, because I should have called my kids and said, Hey, listen, it's mother's day. The last thing she needs to be doing is doing anything for mother's day, but she's out barbecuing the salmon, barbecuing the chicken. She's doing all this stuff and everybody else is doing what? Watching the Dodgers play baseball, you know, which she loves the Dodgers. She would love to have been sitting in there, but, but she has a, a work ethic and that, you know, she wants to care for the kids and do everything, you know, as well. So at some point, you know, they're just gonna have to stop her and go, listen, this is a day that we, we want to set it aside for you. But I, it's like I said, the women in my life, my, my daughter, Bree, who's so much like her mom, she, you know, we, we were talking with her yesterday cause she lives out of town said, you know, Hey, so what do you, what do you want to do for mother's day? And she goes, I'm, I would just really like to be able to take a shower and then tidy up the house. And I'm like, for Mother's Day? You know, and she's like, yeah, uh, Dustin, her husband took the kids. And, and uh, so she had time to herself. And I'm going to think, time to herself, time to take a shower. Wow, all by yourself. You know, that, that, if you're a mom, you understand that. That's a treat, you know, that you can just do that, you know, and not have to worry and then clean up the house. And I'm going, wow. And I think, you know, my mother-in-law, uh, not only, you know, like I said, I can go back to the day when I met my wife and, and I and, and not met my wife, but met my mother and father-in-law for the very first time just in talking with her and then hanging around her and then, then watching her. And then my wife and I, we had the pleasure, you know, we built a house and we lived with my mother and father-in-law for a whole year. And, uh, you know, it just being spoiled, rotten, you know, I mean, she's, she's a great cook and, and a great just caregiver. I mean, my whole existence, I think, you know, our staff here, you know, I think of the, the people I can see Carolyn in the back, you know, for years and years, just, you know, Vanessa, you know, we've, we have wonderful wonderful 
um, women in the life of this church. You know, so many of you, we think about percentages, at least half the people that serve are women in the life of this church, uh, especially in key roles, you know, of, of, of just caring for people. You know, I, I, you watch Kimberly walk around, you know, through the course of the day. Uh, and I mean, she could put in, you know, I don't know why she even has a ped meter to number her steps, just, I guess, to see if she can break it, you know, every single, every single day. But uh, we are just, we are blessed with, with so, so many women. And it, it would be, it would, it would be a miss to not take time. And again, and not to, we're not trying to elevate women beyond, you know, uh, the Lord himself, but to recognize women who are a wonderful reflection of who he is. And then to go, what are there things that we can glean, you know, from scripture? I mean, cause you can study the scripture and you can see, you know, um, I think a Timothy, you know, uh, where Paul makes very much note of it, you know, that by his mother and his grandmother, that he had, had learned these great qualities, not only a deep love for the Lord, uh, but to become a very compassionate person is one of the things that, you know, I want to, I want to share, you know, with you today. Um, when I look at, you know, this life, you know, and all the things, like I said, that go on. I know that Mother's Day is a difficult day, you know, for many people. I know for some, they miss, you know, Mother's Day every single year because they didn't have a healthy relationship with their mom. And it's not a day that they want to remember. But that's not, that's not the norm. That, that, isn't, that isn't how it is for everybody. But we do recognize, um, you know, some, some women are here today that can't even bear children. And that, that's a difficult thing. It's a painful thing. Um, some have lost children, uh, which, which is a painful thing. Some live estranged from their children. Their children are alive, but they have no relationship with them whatsoever. So there is much pain in this world. I, I get that. But we can't let that stop us from celebrating the things that are right here in front of us. Because sometimes that's what we do. It's that, that you know, um, like I said, one of the things that, you know, death experiences teach us in life is to value life. And to value, you know, the moments of our life, you know, that you come to appreciate that you go through difficult things. I guarantee you could sit with Vanessa right now and you go, hey, how has this changed you? And, and she would tell you, it's not about stuff. It's never about stuff. It's always about people and you can't get back time. And so to make, make the most of the time that you get with the people that you love. It's one of the great blessings of the body of Christ and why God has called us into community is to live amongst one another and to do it daily, stirring one another up to love and to good works, you know, and, and making the most of the time, as scripture says, redeeming the time for the days are evil. <clears throat> but as I look at all these things, like I said, I, I think we would all agree that it's really appropriate to take time and to celebrate uh, the moms that are here, the moms that are in our life. You know, I look at um, culturally, you know, it's interesting. Um, Mother's Day began, uh, I mean, before, you know, like the, the 16th century, but there's definitely recordings of in the 16th century um, where... Um, in England, it was the fourth Sunday uh, of the month where children would go out and they would gather up flowers, usually from the neighbor's garden, not their own. They were smart that way. And, um, and then bring those flowers and, and give them to their mom. The one that I, I like the most when you study, you know, Mother's Day and you look at all the celebrations that take place, um, I, I started understanding um, uh, more about the Middle East um, a little bit more, you kind of understand the perspective that with, you know, it's good to study culture and holidays and how they, how they celebrate things. Um, in, in one European uh, uh, country, 
on Mother's Day or to celebrate Mother's Day, what they do is they actually tie their mothers up. And the only way moms can get uh, untied is by giving their children treats and candies and stuff. And, uh, uh, I, you know, that, that to me, that, that, that could catch on, I, I think, you know, if you, you think about, you know, but no, it's just things that, that people do around uh, the country and around the world. You know, here it was in the United States, it was 1914, where uh, President then uh, Woodrow Wilson declared the, the second Sunday of May to be Mother's Day. Man, I like the story even about that, as it was brought to him, um, uh, the woman who actually, who wrote the first proclamation that got written into law, uh, wanted to honor mothers. And then a few years later, uh, she actually was part of a group that sought to remove Mother's Day from being a celebration. And her name was Jarvis, last name. And uh, one of the interesting things about that is you go, why would she, this woman who worked so hard to have women recognized, why do you think she would work just as hard to, to have the day removed? And her reasoning behind it was simple, was that because it had become commercialized, that all of a sudden what had happened was, you know, uh, politicians got on it and, and tried to use it to, to gain votes. And, and obviously businesses used it to try to, gain uh, greater, uh, like I said, wealth and prosperity in their own businesses. So you think about that, because like I said, the restaurant industry is going to be up by 62% on a day like today. And then you think about Mother's Day, and this is a rattling number. Over $14 billion is spent on Mother's Day. You think about that, $14 billion just on Mother's Day. And many of you moms are out there going, where? <laughs> Where, where is it? You know, and then you, you think uh, uh, one that always kind of cracks me up is that a um, hundred and twenty-two billion phone calls, phone calls will be made on Mother's Day. Now, you, to put that in perspective, you have to realize the White House receives about eighty million a day. Okay, so that was a joke. <clears throat> so, but if you put that into perspective, though, a hundred and twenty-two billion phone calls will be made today to moms. You go, I think it's pretty safe to say that moms hold a very special place in the hearts of their children, and they should, amen? And so as we look at this this morning, I want to just begin with a word of prayer and just pray for you moms in particular, and, and thank you, one, for that you would be here today on a Mother's Day when this would be a day when probably you know your husband and your children ask, hey, mom, what do you want? And I know for a lot of moms, at least I can say in my generation, one of the reason Mother's Day was the, the third largest attendant, attended day in church life was because moms are so concerned about their children's eternal destiny. They go, you know, of all the things that you could give your mom on Mother's Day, I would love for you to go to church with me today. I mean, I, I would hear that all the time. And that's one of the reasons why in years we would have pictures out in front. They would go, hey, just, my kids are going to be here today. Could we get a picture, you know, of them and, and something they could hold on to? And those became things that they prayed over. Um, and then what happens, you know, through the years, uh, like I said, part of the, the end times in which we live in, um, we see that the love of many, uh, the Bible says, is going to grow cold. And we'll see that within families. And we'll see that, you know, the, just the distance, you know, people are, you know, will claim to be anyway more busy today than they ever have before. And then we look back, you know, in moments like this, you know, at some point in time when we, there's, there's regret and there's sorrow. 
because we long for that moment. You go, I wish, I wish my mom was here today that I could sit by her in church. I wish my mom was here today that I could spend, you know, an afternoon with her and share a meal with her. I wish my mom was here today that, you know, I could tell her that I love her and, and tell her I appreciate her. Because uh, sometimes, like I said, we don't realize how good we have it until when, until we don't have it any longer. And so I'm blessed that you're here today. And I, and I pray that we would take these things to heart and it would impact, you know, Mother's Day, not only in the life of moms, but in the life of every single person here. So I'll just invite you to pray with me as we pray for moms today. And Father God, we, we thank you, Lord, that as we look at your word here this morning, that you would encourage the hearts of every mom. Uh, Lord, we know that being a mom is a difficult thing. And it's not easy by any stretch. And uh, I know for a lot of moms, they're tired. And, and uh, Lord, in this world, they're, they're stressed out. And so, Lord, we pray for strength today. We pray for comfort and peace. We pray for joy. Regardless of whatever the circumstance of their life with their children, uh, Lord, that's where we do fix our gaze back to heaven today. That in heaven, we have a wonderful Father who's made a promise to us that he would never leave us nor forsake us. No matter what we go through in this life, no matter how hard or how easy, how good, uh, Lord, things might be, God, you are forever faithful to us. And so, Lord, we look to you today. We, we glorify you and we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. We thank you for, Lord, your creation. We thank you, Lord, for how you operate in it, that you said that you were making them male and female. In the very image of God, you created them male and female. And today, as we look at uh, your word and we think about our moms today and the characteristics of their life, uh, Lord, that are the greatest reflection of you, God, we pray that, Lord, for each of us, we'd take those things to heart today. I can't think of a better Mother's Day gift than for those that are here, those who might be watching online at home that don't have a personal relationship with God and to open their heart. I, I, I think of this the probably of all the prayers. One day then we get to heaven and we, we see statistics that there is such a thing in heaven. That the greatest prayers that were ever prayed on earth was a mom who was praying for the soul of her children. And Father, we pray that you would honor those, those prayers. God, and you would answer the prayer of their, their hearts today. That you'd bring them peace and comfort today. That they'd have joy, uh, Lord. That they would know that they're loved and Lord, that they're appreciated today. Uh, Lord, if we do that, then God, we, we have fulfilled your word in our lives. We love you. We give you this time today and pray that, Lord Jesus, you would be glorified in it as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, um, you know, if I, if I had my wife come up here, and, and, which I'm not going to, honey, and I said, uh, you know, what would be the thing that she would want to communicate the most to you? I can tell you without any hesitation is that, you know, for you moms to know that you are loved and that you're appreciated and to encourage you to hang in there, especially, you know, you young moms, moms that have children that are in school today and that are just living in the midst of the struggles that, uh, you know, we're facing in our world today to be encouraged that uh, it's worth it in the end. You know, you, I think of her own life and the things uh, that uh, she's had to endure through and we get to the place that we're at today and looking back, you know, yesterday and, and just looking across the table, everybody was there except our, our daughter, Bree, who um, they're dealing with COVID again uh, in, their, in their family. So they live up in Walnut Creek and so they were all at home, but the rest of our children were there. So there was, would we have six? Yeah. So six, six grandbabies, you know, and we'd have never even thought, I think about when we first got married, 
know, it was just about having kids, right? That we would have children of our own, but to see, you know, um, our children having children and the blessing that comes with that, because you, you never really know how, how good a job you do as a parent with your own kids. Cause you can beat them into submission for the most part, you know, until they're 18 and then they do what they'll just leave. Right. You know, and they'll be on their own, but then to see the impact, you know, to see if it, and the, to know that, you know, loving them and caring for them and being patient with them and, and nurturing them and guiding them. And then seeing, you know, man, what are they going to do when they get on their own? And then to see, you know, these, these babies, you know, that are there and, uh, the impact, you know, that they're having upon their life. But I know that it gets tiring. You know, I, I have the pleasure of watching, you know, some of our, our grandkids on Monday and at times later in the week, uh, we're just trying to fill in, you know, for, that's needed. But my wife wouldn't let me watch, um, you know, Max, who's almost two, and then Brady, who's just a little over six, well, Brady, six months, somewhere around there. And then, then we got uh, Story, who's a newborn. She's like, it's just, it's too many. It just, and I'm like, nah, they, they kind of watch each other, you know, and, and she knows better, so. You know, but it, it reminded me, and I, I read it to her yesterday. There was a, it was a story about a mom. She was a, she quit her job because she had a, a young uh, toddler, little preschool, um, little girl, and she would sit around all day long. You know, how if you've got toddlers and preschool age, you know, children, and she would sit with her, and she would just, you know, do nursery rhyme after nursery rhyme after nursery rhyme after nursery rhyme all day long until you know you about lose your mind. And her husband came home from work and, and she, she was just at that point. You know, if, any moms, can you relate to this at all? Okay. And um, <laughs> she says that she was just so wore out. Uh, she, you know, she kind of just was delirious and walking through their bedroom. She caught her bare foot on the edge of the dresser and it drove her right down to the ground. And she was laying there and she was just holding her, her foot. Her husband heard the, the moaning going on and he ran to her there in the bedroom sat down beside her and he said, what happened? And she said, ah. she goes, I, I stubbed my toe. And he said, well, honey, which one is it? And she just, with tears in her eyes, she was holding her foot and she goes, the little piggy who ate roast beef. And, and I read that to her and she, started, she goes, it is so true. You just get so, so consumed, you know, with, with your children and raising them. You just lose all sight of everything else. It, it's hard. And, and nobody tends to appreciate it, you know, and again, but the scripture says, but don't fear in doing good for in due time, uh, you will reap if you don't faint and lose heart. You know, I recall a, a famous quote that stresses the importance of motherhood. It went like this. It says the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And I like the imagery of that, you know, uh, and again, as we celebrate, you know, Mother's Day to, to have that in perspective. Because I think most would agree that, that God has used women in a very, very profound and special way uh, throughout human history. You look at some of the greatest leaders of the world, and they attribute their success in this life you know, to their moms, the impact that their moms had at such an early age in their life. And you know, like I said, as I think about you know, a, a title this morning, you know, the God of all comfort, you know, in honoring you know, Mother's Day, um, it's one of those things where uh, there was an old um, Jewish proverb that comes to mind that went like this. It said, since God couldn't be everywhere, he created mothers. 
Now, I know that's not theologically accurate, but I think, you know, even though rabbis had, uh, uh, again, not didn't hold women in the, the highest esteem, you could say, for them to recognize that uh, is a very powerful statement, you know, in and of itself that, uh, again, uh, even the rabbis understood, you know, the role that mothers play in the lives of their children. And again, and where do we get that? You know, when we think about where do we get that, that idea from? You know, we get it from reading the word of God. We, read, we especially read it in the Old Testament where God himself compares himself to a mother. You know, I love this expression that says life doesn't come with a manual. It comes with a mother. And that's so, so true when you think about, you know, again, what did Jesus say? He said, people will know you're my disciples because of what? because that you have love one for another. So he goes, it's going to be the vis visible manifestation of God in your life. It's not telling people what you know, but really, you know, actions do speak louder than words. And so it really demonstrates, you know, in motherhood. And you think about, you know, when God communicates this, you know, to us, because it was God himself, like I said, that created them male and female. Now we have this, this debate going on there. How many genders are there, you know, in the world today? Well, scripture is very, very explicitly clear. There's two. He created them, male and female. God doesn't have a gender problem, okay? He doesn't have a identity problem. People have that because of sin, but that wasn't the way that God intended it to be. But the further we get away from God, guess what? The further we get away from our true identity. And so we're going to have these struggles today. And you're, you're going to, if you listen to podcasts or listen to teachings online, I guarantee you there's teachings today that are talking about the characteristic of God. It's one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up is because people are going to be talking about, you know, mother God today. You know, that'll be the, that'll be the title of messages, mother God. And, and God never, never presents himself as being a mother. God presents himself as, as possessing the characteristics of what a godly mother is. And there's a big difference there. But God never, ever, ever tries to encourage you and I to believe that he is portraying himself as mother God. I remember listening to uh, a debate uh, of someone who was struggling in this whole field of gender identity and, uh, you know, about pronouns and their use in scripture. And it was really interesting. They said, you know, that, you know, God is, you know, he, he's definitely, you know, he can be, you know, male or female. He, we can see him as mother God and that's totally appropriate. And the, the, and they were arguing with someone in their translation, you know, of the Bible. And they said, oh, okay, so then what you would see that it would be okay for in scripture where it says to resist the devil and she will flee from you. And the person looked at him and said, well, no. Said, well, wait a second. I mean, if you're just going to interchange these, he said, you know, then I would just as simply say to you, then, you know, resist the devil and she will flee from you. And he said, no, it, it's clear in scripture that, you know, that that's a... That's a, a masculine pronoun, you know, and it's funny how people, we can pick and choose the things, you know, that, that we like, but I, I like that because I think, and I go, you know, yeah, that's the problem with it is like, you can be so blind in one area of missing completely what God would communicate in another, but it's important that we understand, you know, throughout scripture. Yes. God, again, has revealed himself to me and to you, you know, and we think about this, the most telling of all in the new Testament, where, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray and he said, pray in this manner our Father who art in heaven. 
And again, and that wasn't uh, something for just those people that, you know, again, that will become the attack against scripture itself. You know, do we believe the word of God to be inerrant? And those are things that are going to be happening more and more today. Are we going to believe the word of God to be true? Or is it just something that was written by men for men in that regard? Isaiah 66, 13, if you'd read that with me here, this passage of scripture, it says this, it says, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. And, and I love that because when you study this out, uh, most commentators will tell you that this, this is actually at the, at, during the millennial kingdom, when Jesus has established his throne back on earth, where Israel has suffered through. I mean, you think about the, during the tribulation period and those that are, that are now seeing Jesus for who he is. And that God's going, yes, you've been punished for your sins and punished tremendously, they have. But he says, but now is a time of comfort. God wants to comfort his people. You know, the writer of Hebrews reminds you and I as the church that God disciplines every child that he receives unto himself, doesn't he? And he says, but why does he do it? And he goes, because he, he loves us. And then he comforts us. And so we find so much teaching throughout scripture as to why God does what he does. And, and I think of all the things, you know, here on, especially at Mother's Day, you know, moms can feel like such a failure. They might not even say it out loud, but you look at the things that go on in your home. You look at the things that go on in the life of your children. And this can be the same thing's true for a father. And you go, I just feel like I've fallen short in so many, so many ways. You know, we, we tend to measure ourselves by everybody else as opposed to who God has called us to be. And so when I look at this, you know, there's something that every single person here that I, I can say our takeaway, you know, on a day like this on a Mother's Day, and especially for you moms, and you think of all the things that you can major in, you know, today, um, the thing that all of us can do, and we can be a great reflection and representation of God, is to provide comfort to other people. That's one of the things that I think when you think about a, a godly mom, and I think about, I watch, you know, my, my wife with our children. I think back to my relationship with my own mother. I think about my relationship with my sisters. Of all the things that really stand out, more than anything else, the things that they provided for me isn't things. They provided for me comfort when no one else could. And you think about, you know, what Jesus tells us when the Holy Spirit, we could go so deep into this today, but we're not going to for the sake of time. But you think about Jesus said, I'll provide another for you. The paracletos. What is he known as? The comforter. Because of all the things that you and I were going to need in this life until Jesus comes again was comfort. And that's what God himself says of the Holy Spirit. And when we think about the word comfort, it's like, uh, you know, like, you know, but we want comfort. We seek after comfort. We love comfort. And God wants to provide comfort for us. And like I said, it's one of the reasons. I mean, I've, I've been in a, a cemetery on Mother's Day. Unfortunately, someone died around you know, this time of year. And I was with the, the family and we were up there at Hillcrest Cemetery. And the guy says, hey, we can't drive around and look at the plots today. And I said, why? <laughs> I mean, we're at, a, we're at a cemetery. And he goes, it's Mother's Day. And I'm like, okay. I was thinking that would make the the cemetery be like barren, right? And he goes, oh, oh no. He goes, look out the window. And I, I'm not exaggerating this. I, I mean, I'm not embellishing this. I looked out and there were literally, there was over a thousand people if I'd have counted them all. 
And I looked down, there was barbecues going. I mean, literally portable barbecues set up, people sitting all around uh, grave sites having a barbecue with their mom, or with her grave site on Mother's Day. And he goes, oh yeah, it's our biggest day of the year. And I was thinking, wow, man, the impact, you know. And you think of why. And they go, to the, that missing, that longing is of what in the relationship? And you just look over and over and over and over again. The comfort that a mother provides is like none other. And I believe with all my heart, that's what God is revealing to us here. Is he's taking the best of his creation, the things that we see that are masculine in scripture, that are there, the things that are feminine. God brings those, he draws those out. And he does it always through relationship because that's what heaven is all about, right? Heaven is heaven because what? Jesus is there. Hell is hell because Jesus isn't there. And so when I think of Mother's Day and of all the things that we could celebrate, the things that we could ask God to uh, really work in all of our lives, that he would give us a heart that brings comfort to other people. It was British psych psychiatrist John Bowley writes this. He said, the young child's hunger for his mother's love and presence, and he says, are as great as his hunger for food. Her absence inevitably generates a powerful sense of loss and anger. It's tenderness that makes a man approachable. It's tenderness that makes a man uh, relatable. It's tenderness that makes a man credible. I mean, think about it. You can train a dog to fight, but what do you have to do to train that dog to fight? You got to prod it and poke it, prod it and poke it. And you can do the same thing with people. You prod them and you poke them, you prod them and you poke them. And what do they do? They'll fight. It's through tenderness. You know, what is Romans 2, 4? We studied that. The kindness of God. We were talking about that last week. The kindness of God is what brings a man to repentance. And like I said, I, I think about, you know, the comfort that my own mom provided for me. You know, I shared this story. I, I think I was about 40 years old because John and Gigi were just getting married and uh, we went to Canada, we went to Vancouver. And the reason we went to Vancouver is because the eye doctor, uh, it was like the Fritch Eye Care Center, uh, the doctor had an office here and he also had an office in Vancouver. And because of socialized medicine, he told us, hey, if you get the surgery done here in Bakersfield, it's $4,000. If you fly to Canada, it's 1,000. He goes, so what I would encourage you to do is spend a few hundred dollars, fly to Canada, stay there for a few days and see Canada, and then get the surgery done. He goes, you, you might spend 1,500 to you know $1,700. And he goes, and you got a little vacation and, and you got the surgery and you saved yourself $2,000. We were like, what a great idea. So he did that and it would be the same doctor. He just was going to be there. He's like, he worked, you know, in, in California here a couple days a week and up there. So we, we schedule this and we go up there and we're supposed to have LASIK surgery. So I get in there and they determine on me that they can't do LASIK surgery. They have to do the, the original radiokeratometry where they just use the laser and they burn right through. It's called the epithelium that goes over your eye. Well, if you have LASIK surgery, what they would do is they, they would make an incision and make a flap on that. And then they would laser it and then they would put the flap back over. Well, long story short, to have radiokeratometry, they're supposed to give you a sedative. But they didn't think about it. And so I'm laying there on a table and they're using a laser and they tell you don't move. You can't move at all because this thing is so precise, you know, blink, you know, and, you'll, and so I'm laying there and this thing, you ever heard the expression like red hot poker, like feeling that in your eye? I felt like I was having a red hot poker, like somebody was sticking that in my eye. I never had anything that hurt so bad, but I had to lay there and I was so scared to move. I didn't move at all. And then they did the other eye. So I get up. I mean, and my wife can tell you, I mean, I was, you know, there's people say cry me a river. 
I mean, water was just coming out of my face, right? And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm in so much pain, I, I don't want to move. So I don't move my head. I come walking out of the room like this. And, my, and they're looking at me like, are you okay? And I'm like, no. And so then the doctor happens to be walking behind me and he's like, what's wrong? And I said, the pain is excruciating. Well, there's 40 people that are getting ready to have this procedure. So he didn't really want me to be the advertisement for that, obviously. So they, he flips me around and, you know, starts taking me to the back. And he said, well, what happened? And I said, and the nurse, and he says to the nurse, he goes, didn't you give him a sedative? And he goes, she goes, no. And he like, looks at me and he's like, oh, we are so sorry. So they give me a, to speed things up. They give me a shot to try to kick it into to gear. And then they said, you need to go to a pharmacy because they sell codeine over the counter in Canada. And he said, just go get some codeine. It's like 800 milligrams. He goes, take like two or three of them. He said, you know, I learned something there that, that day. He said, never chase the pain. Always get on top of the pain. That's all I remember. I was like, let's don't chase the pain. Let's get on top of the pain. So they gave me these, these three coating, went and got something to eat, went and I laid down on the bed. And I remember we're laying there. My wife comes up next to me. She sits on the bed and, and she's just kind of stroking my hair. She knows I'm in tremendous pain and she's, she's doing a wonderful job bringing me comfort. And she, she says to me, she goes, honey, is there, is there anything that I can, I can do for you? And I remember, like I said, I'm 40 years old. And I, I said to my wife, I go, I need to talk to my mom. I go, can you call my mom? And my wife wasn't upset about it. All. She thought that was cute. So she calls, she's oh yeah, honey. So, and I remember my mom answering the phone and there was just this overwhelming sense at, at 40 years of age. I mean, I was embarrassed. I've told it so many times now, I'm not embarrassed, but I was so embarrassed. And I'm like, mom, I, I didn't know how to explain this to you. And I told her what happened. And I said, I just hurt so bad. I go, I just needed, I did. And, and I started crying. I, I just need, I just need to hear your voice. And she's like, Oh honey, I, I totally understand. You know, she's just very loving and very caring. And, and I'm laying there and I'm, and I'm thinking, why? I mean, trying to figure why, why at 40 years of age, you know, I hurt and I'm in pain. Why do I need to hear my mother's voice? Is, is my, and I felt like, was my wife's voice not, not good enough? And it, in, in one sense it was, and it wasn't at the same time. But she understood it. And, it, and, and we talked about it later. And she goes, I could only hope that, you know, our kids would one day have that same kind of uh, need for me, you know, even as they age. Because you think as a, as a mom, especially, you know, the older you get, you know, oh, my kids don't need me anymore. You know, and I can tell you, you know, that there never comes a point. Maybe there comes a point where we don't express it as well as we should, but there never comes a point when we don't need the comfort of our mom. And you can go, well, maybe I never gave it before. And you go, you know, well, there's no, I tell you all the time, the best time to plant a shade tree was what? 25 years ago. The second best day is what? It's today. And we can, and God provides that comfort, you know, for us. But I, I learned so much in that, in that moment that when I think about this scripture and why it's so easy to teach and it, it's so important to teach because of the reality of what comfort does in the life of another person and, and, and how powerful it is. So much so that, like I said, the third person of the Trinity, Jesus said, when I go back to heaven, when I return to my father, I will pray and he will send another in my name, the paracletos, the comforter who will be with you. God knows. 
And it's one of the great reasons I think that we need to celebrate Mother's Day and we need to remember the sacrifices. And like I said, and if you go, I've never had that, you go, but guess what? Even if you've never experienced that, you know, with your, with your mom or with your dad or with another human being, guess what? You can experience it with God today because he is the God of all comfort today. And yet, you know, and again, when he comforts us, it's not just so, you know, that I would be comforted or that you would be comforted. It's like, we can do that in our culture, right? Me, 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 me. Not true. Think about what Paul wrote to the church in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. It says this, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can what? Comfort others. When they are troubled, we are able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. And what's that comfort? Is that God's the answer. It was the famous British preacher, John Henry Jowett. He once said this, he said, God does not comfort us to make us comfortable, but to make us comforters. So if you've ever experienced comfort, it wasn't just about you, it was for you, but that you could share it with other people as well. I like this quote I read this past week. It says, people who seek to comfort others bring heaven to earth, as it were. People who seek to comfort others bring heaven to earth, as it were. Because why? Heaven's a place where there's no sin, there's no sorrow, there's no pain. But until we get there, we're going to need comfort to make it through the dark days. And I can't think of a better person you know, than my mom who did that in my life. My wife who does it, my daughter who does it, my mother-in-law, like I said, my sisters. You know, I think of, you know, many of the women that are in the life of this church. I remember years ago reading this quote for the very first time. It says, be kinder than necessary for everyone that you meet is fighting some kind of battle. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Comfort. When Jesus, remember when he began his, his public ministry, of all the passages you think that Jesus could have shared, Right. The very first passage that he read from in the scripture when he began his public ministry was Isaiah chapter 61, right? It says, and he stopped short of talking about the wrath of God or the judgment of God. It's coming, but he, did, he cut a verse in half. He didn't even read the whole verse. People say, well, you need to read the whole verse. And he, well, Jesus didn't. Look what he says. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released and the prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And what did he say? He said, today, he said, this scripture has been fulfilled in your presence because Jesus is there. There's a lot of brokenhearted people in the world today. Thank God for godly moms who recognize the need for comfort. In the, not just in their homes, but in the world today. Thank God for you women in particular that serve in ministry. And, and you think about all the things that, that kids will talk to you about. I know for some of you, there's an, a, it's like an epiphany today. It's like a light comes on in a way that you go, man, I think about that. I'm, I'm teaching in a class and you go, and I'm talking to the kids and you go, all they needed was comfort today. They just needed a hug. They were going through something. There was something they were sharing with me there. And you go, of all the things that I could give them today, what can I give them the, the best of? And it was comfort. 
It's like, I gave them comfort. Psalm 23, 4, why do we like that so much? It says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. And what did he say? Your rod and your staff, they do what? They comfort me. They comfort me. Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all of her sins. But you go back to Isaiah 66, 13, it says, And as one whom comforts, whose mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. We see that so often in mom's comfort. There's so many things, moms, you can't do for your kids. There's so many things that'll break your heart. You know, Simeon, when he prophesied, you know, over Jesus to Mary, said, you know, that a sword will pierce your heart. There's many things that pierce the heart of a mom that loves her children, pains that they'll go through in this life. But there's something that you have to offer today. Something that I pray that you take to heart and you never let the world rob you of or make you cynical, you know, about or to harden in your heart, you know, towards your family and towards other people. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you forevermore. I, I can't think of, you know, I think about the presence of my mom. Growing up, you know, as a child, I don't know, by a show of hands, how many of you were afraid of the dark as a small child? You know, I was. I hated the dark. I mean, almost every night I would cry out to my mom, Mom, and she would do what? She would open the door just a little bit and they'd leave the hall light on, right? Just a little bit of light. And that sometimes still wasn't good enough. And I'd wake up and I'd, I'd Mom, Mom. And, she, and my mom, all the time, I can still... You know, at 62 years of age, I can still hear my mom's voice. Michael, I'm right here. Michael, I'm right here. And all that was enough to know her presence. And so you think of all the things, you know, that on Mother's Day, we can, moms, you can be so hard on yourself and think I should do this and I should do this and I should do this. There's two things, you know, in that is take this away, you know, today of, of the things that God has created every single one of us with the ability to express to other people. One is comfort and the other is presence. Wherever you're at, simply be all there. We live in a world that is so not there, right? Everybody's got to be somewhere else. Everybody's in a hurry. Everybody's got to do this, you know, and I'm surrounded by so many people that are just so busy. They're never really all there, but I love the people that you can sit with and they're it's not just comfort, but it's presence. And I love that about Jesus, don't you? Is that, you know, again, take that to heart. Wherever you're at, be all there. There, there is no greater example than I look at, you know, than my, my mom. And then today I look at, I look at my wife, who's just 100% there. Now, do my kids appreciate that? No. Did I appreciate it? No. Is there a day coming when they will? Yeah. Maybe. It might be after we're gone but I guarantee it, it will impact their life. Don't fear in doing good for in due time you shall reap if you what? You don't faint and lose heart. I end with this. Proverbs 31, 
27 through 30, it says, she carefully watches over everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. That's my hope today. I pray that your children bless you today. It says, and her husband praises her. It says, there are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all that she's done and let her deeds publicly declare her praise. And I think for me, that's why I love being able to celebrate Mother's Day. You know, I read Proverbs 31 and to be able to have a day like today and to say to you moms, you know, regardless of how you think or how you feel about yourself is say, well done, you know, hang in there to be encouraged. Don't, don't give up. You know, it, it's, you're, you're winning, you're on the winning side. You know, you can get tired and, and when you do, uh, hopefully you don't have to fix dinner today, you know, uh, but get some rest, but to, to know that you are appreciated. And so if you're a mom today, as we close, I would like to invite all the moms to stand. Uh, we want to recognize you and pray for you, especially as we close today. So give these moms a round of applause as they stand up today and uh, in our midst. Go ahead. I know moms, they don't, we don't want this, but we do. We want to celebrate you and stay, you can stay standing. And we do, you know, we want to thank you. Thank you so much for all that you do. You are loved and you are appreciated. We don't always tell you, but it's definitely, it's definitely our heart for you. Father, we thank you so much for the women of Calvary Chapel Bakersfield, those that are here in the sanctuary, those that are online. And we do pray a very special Mother's Day blessing over them. We pray that, Lord, that they would receive all that you have for them today that, Lord, they would know uh, your comfort, your peace, and your joy today. I thank you for the expressions of their life. Uh, so many gifts I look out and I see that are represented here, uh, but none are greater, Lord, than the, you said that the, the greatest of these is, is faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of all is love. And to see the love here in this place that's reflected in the ministries of our church, it's reflected in their home, it's reflected in just the way that they live their lives. And I pray that today would be a day of great rejoicing for them, that, Lord, they would receive, Lord, that they would feel, Lord, in a very real way, the love of heaven today, the appreciation of heaven. Lord, you planted them here for such a time as this. And Father, we pray, uh, Lord, that you would use them mightily. And that, Lord, again, that today, that whether it's in the sanctuary, it's in their homes, Lord, may their children rise up and bless them. May they have phone calls today uh, that they have the privilege of, um, Lord, receiving, whether it be cards or notes or texts or emails. Lord, stir the hearts of children. Lord, maybe children that are even estranged, that they'd come home today. God, that their mother's love, Lord, that they would... Uh, see the fruit of their prayers today. God, that every, every desire of their heart, God, you would fulfill. And we thank you for that. And for all of us today, Lord, that we would learn from the examples of, of these godly women, these godly mothers. And that, Lord, you would give us a heart of compassion. Lord, that you would work your heart deeper within us today. A heart that loves, a, a heart that cares, a, a heart that listens, a heart that is willing to to suffer, a heart that's willing, uh, Lord, to feel what, what others feel. Lord, that's one of the, the great qualities of what we see in our moms. And we thank you for that. And Lord, thank you for the, the lessons that they've taught us. May, may, Lord, they be blessed today. And we just thank you, Lord, for creating them. Thank you for knowing what we need. 
even before we ask or even when we don't ask, God. Be glorified, Lord, in your church. Be glorified as we celebrate love and life. And Lord, we honor and appreciate one another, Lord. Um, if all the world could see uh, this kind of heart, how, how much better our world would be today. And so we give you all the praise and the glory, thanking you for our moms today as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.